Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to tune in. Don't be intimidated. Treat the house of God as, as something that is not irrelevant like the government wants to make it. Stand up. In any society when truth is substituted for a variation on the theme, a perhaps more socially palatable version, the result is a society that sickens and suffers. It's happened time and again and it's exactly what the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was dealing with. Prophets who didn't represent the truth and the result was idolatry, ignorance and immorality. They were prophets of poison as we discover. As Dr Corbett addresses the importance of truth tonight in Jeremiah chapter 23. Father, we open up our hearts and our minds and our lives to you now. We pray that you, by your Spirit, would speak to us. As we open up your Word, we pray that we would get the intent of your Word so that, Lord, it would change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we have been looking at Jeremiah, I've been amazed at just how uh, timely and relevant uh, each section has been. And in a moment, we're going to look at what is right now the most controversial political issue in the nation of Australia. And Jeremiah spoke about it in 600 BC. So what does that tell you? There's not a lot new under the sun. And so the problem we're going to have as we address this is if you are not familiar with this, if this is foreign to you, what Jeremiah says here from God will sound utterly alien. It will sound like it's from another planet. And we're going to make this point in a moment. And this section is going from verses 9 down to 22, verse 22. And, and this is called Prophets of Poison. And here's this quote from Thomas Williams. We live in an age that largely rejects the old explanations of why we are placed on this planet the idea that we can have a relationship with a higher power who created us for a glorious destiny is slipping away. We hear this all the time. And here's Thomas Williams making this point that we live in a world now that has changed words. It's changed the price tags. It's changed values. It's changed the story that governs our lives. He goes on to say this. Instead... Human beings are assumed to have no higher purpose than following our own desires and scratching our own itches. If you have a desire, go for it. If you have a desire, it must be right for you to pursue it. Go for it. Thomas Williams, following Prince Caspian, page 6. So, as we look at... This section in Jeremiah, we're going to start in verse 9. So if you've got Jeremiah 23, verse 9, you'll see very quickly how he turns his attention from the political leaders to the prophets. And now he's going to say, and the reason the kings have become corrupt is because of you guys. And this is what he says. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. Just we've already seen that the prophet has said these prophets 
go on drinking binges and it's out of their drunken drink, drinking binges that they supposedly prophesy. But Jeremiah is saying, it's as if I'm drunk. I can't believe what's, what these guys are saying. And Jeremiah is saying, I'm, I'm staggering, I'm reeling because I know the word of God. Because of his holy words, I'm agitated about this. You see, he's going to identify a spiral. And this is something he's, he's already identified, and we're going to see it clearly here. Here's the spiral. It starts with idolatry. And if you think idolatry is just falling down in front of uh, some kind of man-made statue, that, that is a part of it, but that's not what it essentially is. Idolatry is just misplaced worship. It's worshipping something that, that, that is not God. That's all idolatry is. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says, if you just eat what you want, when you want, however much you want, you're treating your stomach as your God. I better breathe in as I say that. <laughs> Essentially, when you commit idolatry, you are worshipping what you call God. And, and Jeremiah is going to say idolatry is, leads to this. It's, it leads to willful ignorance. Not just, I don't know that. It's like, I don't want to know that. Idolatry leads to willful ignorance. It leads to, I do not want to know this. And these prophets were taking the people's attention off God and putting it onto something other than God. And we've already read that they literally told the people to worship the moon. They literally told the people to worship the sun. They literally told the people to take your newborn babies and throw them alive into the furnace as an offering to these two gods. That's ignorant. And idolatry, ignorance always leads to the third one that starts with I and he's going to pick this up and it's unbelievably timely immorality immorality and in case you're wondering it is sexual immorality sexual immorality now here's my problem I've got lots of problems but here's one of them I've got right now as we address this there is something in my heart, really, that says, God, I don't want to be an idolater. God, I don't want to be willfully ignorant. I don't want to put my hand up and say, I don't want to know. I want to know. God, I want you to speak into my life. And I don't want to be someone given over to immorality. Jesus said, if you give yourself over to lusting after another woman, you've committed adultery with her. So, man, I'm... I'm I, man, there's something in here. So this is a problem for me. I, I want to make sure that I, I have some moral authority to say this and I don't have full moral authority. Only God does. But here's my other problem. And it's a pastoral problem. My problem is this. In, in addressing this, I don't want you to get your hackles up and go, hmm, tell me what to do. I don't want that. So please... Hear what I'm saying. When you come to Christ, he takes your past and he casts it away from his record of your sin as far as the east is from the west. He completely forgives you. He forgets. He wipes the slate clean. 
Aren't you glad? Now consider this. Jeremiah calls these guys the prophets. They're really false prophets. How can you tell a false prophet? It's very hard. We're not talking about people who are just, just dismiss them. You don't even give them the title prophet. I mean, they're easy to pick. They tell you to do things that clearly the word of God forbids. They're easy. They're easy to pick. But how do you tell a false one? Charles Spurgeon said most Christians don't have enough discernment. And discernment is not picking right from wrong. Discernment, said Charles Spurgeon, is picking right from nearly right. False worship is based on a lie. It's based on a lie. Let's have a look at the next verse, Jeremiah 23.10. For the land is full of adulterers. So there's that connection, idolatry, ignorance. Now we're sexual immorality. Because of the curse, the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. There's an ecological connection to spirituality. Their course is evil and their might is not right. So this is what the prophets were promoting. Sexual immorality. Sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Like, surely you would pick that. Well, interestingly, Christians can be deceived. So how do we counter that? We need to know the truth. And here's the point. True worship is based on truth. Now, here's probably the biggest statement I'm going to make before lunch today. And it goes like this. The primary thing you need to know about God is not that he is loving. The primary thing you need to know about God is that he is true and truthful. Someone put it this way. When comparing Christianity to all the religions of the world, they said this. Um, the wording may not be right, but the sentiment definitely is this arrow call. Islam is virile. Hinduism is all-encompassing. Buddhism is peaceful. But Christianity is true. Now, that's how you were presented all the religions of the world. Which one are you going to invest your life in? The virile one? The all-encompassing one? The peaceful one? The true one, surely. And that's the difference. Now, if you are hearing me say, the pastor's saying God's not love, you're not hearing me. He is. But the primary thing you need to know is that our worship must be based on the truth. The truth. True worship is based on truth. All right, you with me? <laughs> Here we go. It says in verse 11, Notice this, prophet and priest, the preacher and the pastor are ungodly, even in my house. There's the shocking statement. It's not like the prophet and the priest are evil. It's like they're, they're evil in my house, God says. I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Now, here's the, the thing. We've just gone through. We've seen that Jeremiah is really concerned about kings. Now he's addressing prophets and priests. And this is what Professor Derek Kidner says in the book that Josh bought me for my birthday. It says this, and it's a great, great quote. 
There is far more concern here and far more heartbreak over false preachers than over brutal, read, government officials. For without justice, a nation suffers, he says, but without truth, it sickens. Now, I tell you right now, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue where I'm going, I'm going to make a really big point and I'm going to sit down in a hurry in a moment because the really big point is that the government is squeezing the church to shut up, squeezing Christians, putting pressure on Christians to be quiet. And here's the point. The church is responsible for the truth in society. The kings were responsible for government but the prophets and the priests were responsible to be in the ear of the kings, telling them the truth. The church is responsible for truth. What is it? 2 Timothy 2.15. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth, Paul writes. We're the pillar of truth in society, the church. And what does the enemy seek to do? The enemy seeks to undermine the truth. Steal, kill and destroy, Jesus said. But he's a, he's a liar. The enemy seeks to undermine the truth. The truth is that God's word is true. And false prophets, and here's the trick, because Paul talks about false prophets creeping in unaware into the church. James, uh, Jude mentions it as well. They creep in unaware, unnoticed. And next thing in a church, you've got these people recognised as prophets, but in fact, they're false prophets. So you can see they're not, you know, if they came in, you know, wearing obvious clothing associated with other, other religions, they're easy to pick. But these people look like Christians. They sound like Christians. They, they quote Bible verse. They pepper what they say with scripture. But they're taking scripture and they're twisting it. Just a little twist. So false prophets undermine the truth. How do they do it? Well, they don't really love the truth, but they'll talk like they love love. Well, let's not go there. Let's not be critical of each other. Let's, let's no, come on, let's, let's not fuss about the detail. Let's just love each other. Well, that, sound, that actually even sounds nice. I'm almost persuading myself. But here's the problem. When you speak the truth and someone says, oh, now that's just being, that's just being hateful. <laughs> Come on, Jesus was all about love. He wasn't about your kind of right-wing, narrow-minded bigotry. Come on. Come on, group hug now. Come on. <laughs> And here's the problem. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. It sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. You want to offend someone today if they're speaking the truth, just tell them that's hateful, that's hate speech. And you've just cut the argument right off there because apparently that's the worst crime you can commit in society now is to be intolerant. And we just cannot tolerate that. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Which is, I guess, why they crucified Jesus. They hated what he said. It actually plainly says that in John chapter 1, by the way. Light has come into the world, but the world loved darkness rather than the light. The world hated Jesus. Jeremiah 23, verse 12. Therefore... 
their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Now that sounds a bit harsh. Come on, God. Jish. And if you think that sounds harsh, chances are you don't really know God. I've discovered this about God. He is utterly good. He is utterly loving. God does nothing, nothing at all that is wrong or bad. He only ever does what is good. Jeremiah 23 verse 13. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, where Jeremiah lived, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hand of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me. Sodom? In the north, they were committing adultery and fornication. Adultery is sex beyond marriage. Fornication is sex without marriage. And both of those things break the precious picture that sex was meant to be. And it's meant to be within the confines of covenant love, ultimate commitment. Sexual love is the highest act of physical love and it demands the highest form of commitment. And that commitment is called covenant. We call it marriage. You think the enemy wants to sully the word marriage today? Oh, my giddy aunt. And there are Christians who just wave their hand and go, oh, well, we've lost this fight. Get out of the way, you wuss! <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, just... <sighs> and it's inhabitants like Gomorrah. Oh, boy. Professor Kidner says that this verse, without justice a nation suffers, but without truth it sickens. I read that to you before. He goes on and says, worse still, these ungodly prophets and priests are not simply useless, failing to give a lead, for by their position, their lives and their words are a fountain pouring out what others will drink. By their worldliness, they are secularising the house of God, that bastion of holiness. And by their laxity, verse 14, which we just read, whether practised or preached, they are taking the shame out of sin, especially, it seems, sins of lust, both heterosexual, that's the first part of that verse, speaking of adultery, and homosexual, the second part of that verse, Refer to Genesis 19, verses 4 to 5. Wow. I'm reading that this week going, God, you're incredible. The first time I get to preach on Jeremiah after our premier announces that Tasmania is going to go it alone in trying to push for same-sex marriage, you give me that text to preach to the church. And, and, the, and the team knows, because I put out where we're going with this, this comes out a month or two in advance, where we're going. I think God wants to say something to the church today. And it might sound like, although it's going to sound like Andrew, but it might sound like, have a spine, church. Don't be intimidated. 
Treat the house of God as, as something that is not irrelevant, like the government wants to make it. Stand up. Verse 15. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. That's why these are prophets of poison. They are poisoning people with nearly truth, poisoning people with these things that nearly sound right. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 17, they say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. Oh, oh man, I oh know. Here's my fear. Someone starts a church up in Launceston and they start supposedly prophesying, notice the bunny ears, prophesying, Come to this church, you'll be blessed. Everything will be well with you. You come here, you'll, you'll be really happy and you can just kind of do whatever you want. We're not even going to mention the word sin. Come in and we'll just talk about love. The problem is some of you may go, oh, that's, that's much better than that Lagana church. They're always on about open your Bibles, please, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And so here's the point that I see in the New Testament. True prophets remind people of the truth. All I want to do is remind you, this is what God says. And you might go, oh, that's just so old covenant. And I've heard people say, Andrew, you just don't understand. In fact, I had one guy write to me, very lengthy, he said, Andrew, you just, and that's not easy to do in text, you just <laughs> don't get it. Homosexuality is not that bad today. It's not that bad. It's just, it was not about sexuality, Andrew. It's about worship. It's, you know, it's just chish, Andrew. And so I just wrote back and said, okay, that's true. Then please tell me when the New Testament speaks of sexual immorality, what is it speaking of? Because in every category, every list, homosexuality is one of the six things it lists. Now, that sounds like we're gunning for homosexuals. I tell you what, they're not top of my list. Adulterers are. If you're an adulterer here, start squirming. Repent. Because that is the worst kind of sexual sin, because you made a vow. You made a covenant. There is something precious about that that unfaithfulness does great damage to. All right, so true prophets remind people of the truth. False prophets deceive people with new truth. Hear the language, God's given me a new revelation. Be very God's doing a new thing. Fair income. I thought he was doing an old thing, and that is saving lost sinners. Through the old cross, through an old gospel, through an old story of a saviour who died on an old cross for us a long time ago. False prophets deceive people with new truth. I just remind you it was my birthday this week, and... Um, <laughs> If you weren't going to be nice to me after this, just think, just think on that thought there. Just. Now, here's the question. Do you, do you want to worship God in truth? I, do. I really do. I really do. And if, you, if you've heard me say, well, we're going to be a church of hate, then jump. no. 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 But I'll tell you this. If we say to the adulterer, the fornicator, the one practicing homosexual, just keep doing it. It's okay. God loves you the way you are and you don't have to change. We are not loving them. No. 
That is not love. That is poison. So here's the question I've got. Will you allow the truth of God's word into your heart? We read on in this section that Jeremiah is talking about these prophets not helping the people at all. He says in verse 21, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people and they would have turned them from their evil way. See, the world's lies can infiltrate the church and it can sound Christian, but it'll be like poison to your soul. And yet, the word of God can be nourishment for your soul. Nourishment. Are you a daily reader of your Bible? Please be. See, here's what I think we need to get. The truth is that God deeply loves you and that he only wants your best. Father, as we look at your word, we stand amazed that it speaks to us today. But Lord, we're in an age where your word has had so much attack that to even dare proclaim your word, the word of truth, sounds so out of step with where culture is. It sounds, as they tell us, outdated and not progressive and all of those things. But Lord, we know that your word is living. It's active. It's powerful today. And now, Lord, I pray for those that recognise they need your grace, your love and your forgiveness in their life right now. If that's you, if you know that you're in a place, and, and honestly, please forgive me if I have come across harsh or judgmental, uh, my apologies, that, that's not my intention. My intention is to try and wake people up to the, to the poison that they may be drinking that's polluting their soul. That we need the love of God, the grace of God, to be able to recognise the poison the world and the enemy's dishing up. And if you do, if you recognise my life is empty, it's shallow, it hurts, it aches, I need the forgiveness of God, I don't care what you're doing, I don't care who you're doing it with or how many times you've done it, I can guarantee you this, you come to God and he can forgive you he can wipe you clean. He can give you a brand new start. You are just one prayer away from being made right with God. A prayer that says, oh God, please forgive me. Come into my life and help me to live for you, I pray. And Father, I pray for us as a church that we would be bold, courageous, winsome and loving. Father, I pray while we do it, we will uphold the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Truth cannot be watered down to be more palatable and still be absolute truth. This new variation of truth is deception and it's not what God intended for us. He gave us absolute truth. What's our response? Some challenging thoughts from Dr. Corbett tonight that require us to respond. More next week in Jeremiah, prophets who do not profit podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Prophets of Poison. 
are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.